0: This is one, three, three. All right. Welcome to the Felt Recall Podcast, episode number one hundred and thirty-three. Man, getting up there in age, aren't we? Nice to be here. My name is Chris, and across from me is... Patrick. Nice to see you, sir. How are you? I'm doing well, and yourself?
1: Fantastic.
0: Thanks for asking.
1: Find hey, us. Real quick, just want to throw okay. out there. Yeah, Two sure. weeks in a row, and nailed it. You did? Really hit my stride.
0: You're an amazing man. Incomparable talent on the podcast microphone. I probably just jinxed it. Let's be honest. That much is true. Hold on one second. I'm distracted. You talk. What would you like me to talk about? I don't know, but every time you talk, your microphone on the board goes red. Oh. Okay, not now, though. Well, did I break something? Maybe you're going hot. Say something loudly. Loudly? Yeah, that's what it is. Okay. Mm -hmm. I've got you up a little too high, maybe. Working out the audio kinks. I apologize.
1: I'm going to let it slide. (laughs) Let's just go with it.
0: Uh, Our home online is feltrecoalshell.com. Find us there, feltrecoalshell.com. Com. On the docket this week, uh, we're going to talk about Joe Biden's inner circle. We're going to talk about GameStop and what the heck happened on the stock market. What is a short squeeze? Does anybody even really know what that means? I don't think anybody really knows what that means. No,
1: but everyone will convince you they do now. I've heard. All the people that were virologists like this time a year ago <laughs> yes. are now stock experts. Isn't it
0: amazing how many geniuses you know on Facebook?
1: Like who would have thought? Everybody knows everything.
0: Who would have thought? No, I never knew. I never knew. Uh, plus, we're going to play a little audio from Mata, uh Olive, Vice President Harris's <laughs> <laughs> interview with a West Virginia TV station. Boy, these people know how to pander. Uh, obviously, they're taking on the energy sector with everything Biden's doing in the, in the Oval Office. Uh, they're costing jobs by the tens of thousands, but... Boy, howdy, they'll show up on West Virginia local news station, which, by the way, they requested the interview. (laughs) The TV station didn't (laughs) didn't even care to talk to them. Uh, They sopped them out. We'll we'll play some audio there. Maxine Waters' family making millions of dollars uh, by really just pilfering money from her campaign. And the COVID vaccine continues to be questionable. Um, And the Lincoln Project co-founder, well, he's a pedophile, Yep. Uh, So if he's not dead soon, he will be. (laughs) Because they're going to lock that guy up. He's going to be in some trouble. Uh, All right. But first, let's talk about our charity of the week, HiddenWounds.org. You can find them on our Facebook page. We've posted a link. Hidden Wounds is an all-volunteer organization. They have a mission to help heroes battle the invisible war at home. It's a program of Project Josiah. And the goal there is to provide peace of mind and comfort for military personnel battling combat stress injuries, such as PTSD, uh, traumatic brain injuries, and other psychological post war challenges. Find out more about them and how you can help their mission to reach veterans and fight the hidden wound all across the country at hiddenwounds.org. They're based out of Columbia, South Carolina, by the way. Hiddenwounds.org. Okay. Um, two two things I think to get started. First of all, Mister Hulon,
1: yes, sir. This
0: apology line podcast, yeah, that you told me about. Mm-hmm. It's incredible for all the wrong reasons. I would agree. If you haven't listened and you think you want to listen, we'll do everything we can to avoid. Any spoilers? I think there's only three episodes right now. I think I'm all caught up. Yeah, I think so. It sounds like it'll be a six-part series. And essentially what happened is this fella set up an answering machine in 1981, New York. And then he put out some flyers. And he said, if you want to apologize for the things you've done wrong in life, call this number and apologize. And so people would call the answering machine. And, he, and the message says... We're not affiliated with the police. We're not the media. Don't use your name. Don't incriminate yourself. But if you need to get something off your chest, get it off your chest. And boy, howdy, did people do that. And there's obviously some gruesome stuff to it. Some really weird, perverse stuff in there. Very strange to consider. Here's my take on it so far, I guess, is it's very strange to consider that it has left me trying to decide who is actually being honest. Oh sure. It reaches a point where people are sending him evidence of the things they say to try and prove they're being honest. But man, to a large to a large degree I feel like he got played. Like he wants to play a lot of that stuff and act like this is real, but it kind of seems like a lot of people playing out some weird fantasy. For instance, we find out you find out a couple episodes in that one of the recurring characters is a fake and it was being coordinated
1: with a friend. Won't tell you which one. Um, but that kind of you had, felt. We had people calling in saying they were the Zodiac. Right. Yeah. 20 some odd years after the Zodiac had killed people and then stopped.
0: So it felt predictable. On, on to the that other degree. side of the country. Yeah. But really strange how involved he got with it. Like he can't shake how much he thinks. He matters to the project itself because in the beginning it's very voyeuristic, right? Like I'm going to set this up and I'm just going to listen and I'm going to play it for my friends. But then he takes a more direct involvement of, okay, these people need to hear from me now. Yeah, I think that
1: was unintended, mm -hmm. but then became, um, ego driven, if you will. Mm. He basically seems like he
0: starts to create his own radio show. Because he's taking highlights and he plays them back when you call. I, I can't understand how very many people heard it. Because back in the day, I mean, I had never heard of this thing at all until I ran across the podcast. Well, it, yeah, so you had to call in and get his answering machine. But somehow this became like a national phenomenon. And people were calling and they were listening to uh, the highlights of the last week's confessions. And to then the they, they were where leaving this was their own. A
1: screenplay and then an HBO series of some sort. It's like a bad B movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um I don't understand how that
0: happened with one phone number, right? Because he was leaving, you know, 3 and 4 minute long messages on a tape and then people would have to leave their messages on a tape and you can only have one person at a time. So even if that phone's ringing off the hook 24/7, It sounds like it was. You're talking maybe a couple hundred people a day, right? Sure. So anyway, the apology line, if you haven't listened, I think it's well worth it.
1: I'm fascinated with it. I'm fascinated with it. I'm fascinated with it because I'm trying to imagine what it would be like to live in that age without the internet and without smartphones. Right. Because this phenomena could not exist today. I mean, it does in the form of like message boards and things where you have that anonymity, but, and, and people can say whatever they want out there on the internet certainly doesn't make it true. Right. But it's just a different beast altogether. It, and I, largely to your point about how only, you know, a handful of people could actually call in and be able to leave a message at any given time.
0: It is kind of like the earliest version of Facebook, but only a select few could leave a status update, and then everybody else is just the comments, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the apology line. is really, really good. If you haven't, uh, if you haven't heard of it or listened to it, uh, go check it out. There's three episodes available now. They're what about 45 minutes long each, maybe Somewhere an hour. Yeah, I've been on the road all week for like the last week and a half. You're on the road a lot too, so. It's a perfect time to start catching up with that stuff. Um, okay, number two, Dustin Diamond died today. Did you know that? I just saw that, yeah. Dustin Diamond, if you don't know, played Screech on Saved by the Bell. And I had an interesting conversation over lunch. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this because to me it was really sad. Not because he he played Screech and I had like some... I don't know, personal connection to the character. But I did feel like I felt some sympathy for the guy who I thought, it's got to be really, really hard to feel like as a kid that you you just got everything you ever wanted, right? I'm sure he felt that way. Sure. Because if you don't know, Dustin Diamond was, I mean, not old at all when he was on... Good Morning, Miss Bliss, which was what... The pilot. Be- yeah, what it's what became Saved by the Bell. I think they did more than a pilot of Good Morning, it Miss Bliss, right? It may have been right?
1: a first season, yeah.
0: Yeah, and and that was really well-received, but they felt like it should be more about the kids, and so it pivots, and it becomes Saved by the Bell, but doesn't matter too much, except he was there for the entire ride, and then he went with all the follow-ups, but then he became very troubled. Like, there's no denying the guy over the last decade, had a pretty rough go of things. Even worse, even worse, almost, <laughs> is the way it ended. Apparently, he got diagnosed with lung cancer three weeks ago. Like just found out he had this incredibly aggressive malignancy inside of his lungs, and it took him in three weeks' time. So, It gave me pause to consider how odd it must be. What does it do to the psyche of a kid who, as a kid, probably got that role thinking, this is everything I've ever wanted, and I'll be the goofball, and I'll entertain, and I'll make people laugh. But then it has to reach a point where you enter manhood and adulthood. You have to have the realization at some point that, man, all I ever was was a punchline on that show. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Like, obviously it's we different. It certainly was. Yeah. It's different to be a Zach or a Slater. When you get to play that character, you're kind of the hunky heartthrob that everyone else aspires to be. But when you screech, you're just the punching bag. That's got to play a part in real life. And I think giving, given his public antics versus you don't really hear that about Zach and Slater. They've both gone on to have their own independent careers of all this. Um, that's got to play really really hard on the human
1: psyche that would be weird right well I think uh, child actors in general have a tough time mm-hmm. very few of them make it out unscathed and, and grow up to have totally normal you know lives as an adult yeah inside or outside of Hollywood and I think a lot of them probably try to stay in it because that's what they know yeah and so you got a guy like him that ends up typecast and you can't break that cycle of being the, the nerdy punching bag guy. Yeah. So then what are you left with?
0: The ones that come out
1: normal all tend to share one thing in common. And that
0: is that they leave the Hollywood scene and they go have personal success academically. I feel like that causes some self-worth and then they circle back around. I'll give you three examples. Winnie from the Wonder Years, whatever her name is all right. I, can, I can't think of right now. What's her real name? Maybe it'll no come clue. to me. Blossom, biombiolic, right? Okay. She's like a genetic biologist. She went off to Ivy League and got all sorts of accolades and really is like a legit scientist. Now she's on Big Bang Theory, if that's even still a thing. And then number three is Jonathan Taylor Thomas who if you remember him from Home Improvement was kind of like a heartthrob wonder kid yeah when we were you know teenagers in the 90s he went to Harvard and then spent like a year or two at Harvard and left there and wrapped up his studies at Columbia University so he's no slouch academically all right and now he's back doing guest appearances and direction and things like that so he's a director now all of those people all went off and achieved other things on their own degree of intelligence. So I feel like they have a self-worth, and I'm just complimenting your point, they have a self-worth outside of being on TV or being in the videos or whatever
1: the case may be. Does that make sense? Sure. Whereas you have a Dustin Diamond who ended up doing celebrity boxing or something. I know, right? i it's mean, so it's sad. Kind of a, I mean, kind of a tailspin, really.
0: I mean, the guy got into sex tapes. Yeah, he did. He did anything they would pay him. Danica McKellar, by the way, um, was winning from the Wonder Years. Anything he could do to make a buck, uh, he did, and and that to me is kind of what makes it so sad. Um, let me say this, by the way, Danica McKellar. Best known for her roles on The Wonder Years and The West Wing. I've never seen The West Wing. Uh, Danica is a three-time New York Times bestselling author, internationally recognized mathematician, and advocate for math education. She's a summa cum laude graduate of UCLA with a degree in mathematics. She's been honored in Britain's esteemed Journal of Physics and The New York Times for her work, most notably for her role as co-author of the groundbreaking mathematical physics theorem, which bears her name. The Shays-McKeller Win Theorem. <laughs> okay, let's dive into that for just a second. Uh, for a region of the nearest I was feeling adequate. Now I'm not. Did I? Yeah, I took care of that, didn't I? Uh, I didn't. Danica McKellar did. Uh, percolation. This is this is what it takes you to. Uh, the PDF uh, talking about um, her theorem. Percolation in Gibbs states multiplicity for ferromagnetics. For
1: Can we get back to doing the show in English? For
0: ferromagnetic ashkin teller models on Z-squared. Not a joke. Uh, so here's the abstract. For a region of the nearest neighbor ferromagnetic Ashkinteller teller spin systems on Z-squared, we characterize the existence of multiple Gibbs states via percolation. In particular, there are multiple Gibbs states if and only if there exists percolation of any of the spin types, you know, like the magnetized states. (laughs) The magnetized states are characterized by percolation of the dominant species. This result was previously known for the POTS models on Z-squared. All right, (laughs) this is where, this is where you use this when you're at lunch with your boss. (laughs) Right, he's like talking about stuff that you don't know he's talking about. Real life example today, this would have helped tremendously because my boss at lunch today started talking about long range shooting, and he was talking about how you, you got to get away from. Um, well, now it's all slipping my head. Uh, he was telling me to get away from MOA, right? And I'm all like, right, well that's what makes sense to me, right? It's an inch. MOA is an inch at 100 yards. Right. He's like, right, but you can't do that like precision long range you got you got to get into to to mil radian i'm like yeah i don't really know what all that means and he starts going on about like 0.38 and how now you can do the math when your target is 636 yards away but you can't really do that with moa that would have been a perfect time for me to be like you know this you know this reminds me of Have you ever really thought about the fact that the percolation in Gibbs states multiplicity (laughs) (laughs) from ferromagnetic Ashkin-Teller models on C-squared? And then when he's like, what did you just say? I could have been like, you know, like for a region. Here's the thing. For a region of the nearest neighbor ferromagnetic Ashkin-Teller spin systems on Z squared Uh, generally, we characterize the existence of multiple Gibbs states via percolation. Makes sense. Nobody's going to argue that. Nobody's going to argue that, okay? But in particular, there are multiple Gibbs states, if and only if, only if there exists percolation of any of the spin types. Like I said, like, okay, like you would know, the magnetized states are characterized by percolation of the dominant species, right? Okay, so this results in what was previously known only for the POTS models on Z-squared.
1: Or you could also tell your boss just to reference uh, season four, episode three of the Wonder Years. <laughs> exactly. I've just exactly. Made that up.
0: Here's the first sentence of the introduction: An issue that sometimes arises in statistical mechanics concerns the connection between percolation and phase transitions. See, there's another thing. Like you just throw that into conversation. You're like, you know, that's like that's an issue because. There's an issue that sometimes arises in statistical mechanics, where they you know it concerns the connection between percolation and phrase transitions. This sounds a lot like that.
1: It's a shame we had COVID and no Christmas parties <laughs> this because is this could have totally been used then.
0: Oh man! Anyway, that's a maybe long, next year. Long-winded way of saying uh, rest in peace, Dustin Diamond, forty-four years old. Forty-four years old. Boy, that's sobering. That is sobering. So we'll move on because that's uh, that's too bad. All right. <clears throat> Before we go much further, uh, boy, howdy. It's been a rough couple of weeks for the Biden administration. I'm not really sure what the game plan is here. We'll get to in a
1: second. You have that Daily are you, Wire article ready. Sure there's a game plan?
0: That's kind of my point. I don't think there is one. The stock market is down tremendously uh, unless you own GameStop stock. I'll tell you a personal anecdote about all that in just a second. Which led me to find out my father is a Nazi. Um, But anyway, look, you can never be too prepared for the inevitable and the unpredictable. And those things are combined right now perfectly. We got an administration that's very contrarian versus energy sectors and people like us. They literally are trying to label us homegrown terrorists uh, because we don't trust the government. I don't know anybody that does trust the government, but if you do, good for you. We disagree, but good for you. Anyway, at feltrecoilshow.com/slash My Patriot Supply, we have just an abundance of links there. You can click through, you can find this long-term food storage solution. Delicious foods from My Patriot Supply. They have entrees, they have fruits and vegetables, soups, everything you need, even coffee, with up to a 30-year-long shelf life. Go there felt recall com slash my Patriot supply stock up, use it as an insurance policy. You don't know what the next four years are going to bring so far. Not looking great. Not looking great for any of us. And trust me from a guy that works in the gun industry, not looking great because, um, uh, boy, if he had his way, I'd be out of work tomorrow. Okay. So felt recall show.com slash my Patriot supply. Um, The question in my mind has become, is the inner circle of the Biden administration so small, so small, that even Jen Psaki and the vice president herself, Kalamata, Olive, Harris, unable to talk to the president every day of the week?
1: I find it odd that you, or maybe not odd, that you referenced them as a circle because Jen really likes the circle back. <laughs> unintended, fact, but yes. In fact, I think that's all she does. That is all she does. I don't think she answers any questions. You're not wrong. Everything is a deflection to uh, the head, like the secretary of the Department of Energy or the, the mm. head of the SEC. It's mm-hmm. never a, here's how we feel about it. This is I'm going to tell you what the president, uh, his direction has been to his... Cabinet or the rest of the administration. Yeah. Doesn't really exist. It's very strange to me.
0: That's exactly right. What, what, what was
1: the uh the the, the last uh press secretary, Kaylee McInerney. McInerney, okay. So you can tell I don't pay a lot of attention. But what I did know is she didn't really seem to hold any punches. They would ask questions. The press pool would ask questions. And she could give a decisive answer on whatever the topic was. I don't remember there being any sound bites of her having to circle back.
0: And the future governor of Arkansas was the same way when she was doing it. Huckabee Sanders was, I mean, she's just 100% all day, every day. And to me, that implies that they spent so much time speaking with the president of the United States, there was no room for doubt in exactly what the administration's position was on any given issue. So when that issue arose in a, a press conference, they didn't have to hesitate and hiccup and circle back around. Did you see, I mean, Saki, literally, did you, I felt so bad for her the other day. Did you see the clip where she's just thumbing yes. through the she's notebook? Like, oh, oh. I think it's in here. <laughs> Thank you for your patience. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep looking. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty bad. Yeah. So share with the class, Mr. Hulon. Yes, sir. This article you have at your disposal.
1: Yeah, from the Daily Wire headline is, Report Biden's Comm Team Ask Reporters for Questions in Advance. So, apparently... Wait. What? Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, Democrats have never done this before.
0: I was about to say, what is this? A DNC debate? Oh, crap. It doesn't work this way now? Go ahead. Sorry.
1: Uh, yeah the communications team has asked reporters what questions they plan to ask at the white house press uh, secretary paskey's press briefings um three sources with knowledge is, with knowledge on the matter um have talked to the daily beast about this uh one reporter raised an issue during the informal white house correspondence association zoom call last friday According to multiple sources, leaders at the meeting advised print reporters to push back against requests by the White House press team to learn of questions in advance or simply to not respond to the Biden's team's inquiry. So even the reporters feel like this is a little bridge uh, too far underhanded.
0: Yeah. What do you think happens when President Biden has to go over and see his boss in China? (laughs) He's like, uh... Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll make the trip, but, like, I can get this question's a little early. <laughs> I am the president, after all. Go ahead and get that
1: check written I, ahead of time. I
0: sincerely believe this.
1: Do you think he gets extra fortune cookies? <laughs> like like they send him a box with fortune cookies, and then, like, in the bottom of it, there's, like, a check for $10 million for the big guy?
0: I bet he gets extras, but it's the same four questions in all, or the same four, you know, predictions in all of them, but he, he, he doesn't remember one from the other anyway, so each one's a surprise. Yeah. And so, here's here's another example that I think proves our point. As we mentioned at the outset, WSAZ, which I hope they call themselves Sazzy News, because that sounds cool. Uh, that's a West Virginia television station. And the administration, the Biden administration, <laughs> reached out to this local TV station, which they tell you, by the way, I can play you at the end of this segment, that we didn't ask for this. They wanted to come talk to us. And it's because they're destroying jobs uh, for blue collar Americans left and right. And the vice president of the United States gives the most incoherent, rambling answer when asked, what do you say? To the workers of West Virginia who supported the Trump administration because we knew how antagonistic you are towards the jobs that sustain our state and our people. Listen to this woman. You tell me what this woman is saying that isn't her saying you should do better in life than to work in a coal mine. Listen to this. And, And by the way, and having no clear answer.
2: Well first of all let me say that um, the president has been very clear that no, yeah, this is not about any existing leases in terms of um, coal on fe- and, and, and what we're doing in terms of oil and coal in on- and, and, and federal lands. This is about what we need to do going forward to create more jobs. The president feels very strongly that when we are thinking about saving our environment he when you talk to him about climate change the first thing that he talks about is job creation. And so it's job creation around investing in American manufacturing, job creation in terms of investing in American infrastructure and building up back up American infrastructure, job creation around, for example, all of those skilled workers who are in the coal industry and, and and transferring those skills to what we need to do in terms of uh, dealing with reclaiming abandoned um, uh, landmines, what we need to do around plugging leaks from oil and gas wells, and and transferring those important skills to the work that has yet to be done that needs to get done. Work that many Amer- she, she,
1: Anytime. A politician says, in terms of... Er, Just know they're lying. (laughs) They're making it up as they go. (laughs) They don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, It is completely off the cuff. And she said it more than once in that clip, by the way. In terms of. While referencing her notes. No less
0: than twice in that rambling answer, she looks down at her notes. Clear as day. Because she doesn't know what the administration's stance on these things actually is if she doesn't have her notes in front yeah, of her.
1: imagine having notes and still having no clue what you're talking about.
0: I know it's I know personal experience, I can tell you 100%, it's quite nerve-wracking to be on TV of any level and have them go live and those cameras are in your face. Okay? If you haven't built up to it, it's got to be incredibly intimidating. I've been there. It Everyone is intimidating. Everyone thinks they can do it. Right. Until they have to do it. Yeah. And then it's like lock up, yep. right? You better know your material. Because really what you're relying on there, the real gift is an ability to show personality while providing whatever the answer is you've memorized ahead of time. Correct? Oh, right. Because yeah. it's it's not easy. It's gut-wrenching. It is nerve-wracking. Nobody takes that away from her. But this woman couldn't be less prepared to talk to a local TV station in West Virginia about what the administration's policy is on jobs. And she essentially went there and told them you're too dumb to keep the job you have. That's what, I mean, that's basically what she's saying by saying we're going to transfer skills. That means you need to learn to do something new because the job you do isn't going to be available for you very, very soon. So you better wise up and learn a new trade and a new skill. You better transfer your skills now. Let me speak for myself here, and you—you you forgot me. to say in terms of, in terms of, in terms of being an idiot, one hundred percent to the vice president. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about you, but let me talk personally. For me, I was—I uh, was actually sharing this with someone quite recently, so I'll just rehash what I said. The funny thing about my life is...
1: Oh, there's just one thing?
0: Well, one of the many funny things about my life. (laughs) Do you know I've never had a job, I've never accepted a job, and thought, this is what I want to do the rest of my life? That has never happened to me. People do that? Yeah, right? I I remember getting my first job in radio, like a full-time job. And I'm not... I'm not saying this to brag or anything like that. I'm just telling you to say what a leaf in the wind I am in life in general. Right. (laughs) And I tell my kids this a lot because people do this dumb thing. I think it's so stupid that people ask little kids what they want to be when they grow up. I understand that it's an easy question because you're lazy and you can't think of other things to talk to kids about. But asking a six-year-old what they want to be when they grow up is really, really stupid. I got mad when people
1: were doing to me when I was a senior in high school. We right. talk about six years old. How does that kid know, right? But it happens. It happens. I didn't know when I was 26 years old. I'm 40 and I don't know. <laughs>
0: okay? I don't know what I'm going to be when I grow up. And my point here is, I remember...
1: Um, I stress this to my kids. You know what? Now that I'm thinking about yeah. it, I really want to be an astronaut.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you might think you might think you're far <laughs> off from the way my brain works, but you're not. Um, look.
1: Sorry to interrupt. It just d- it no, hit no, no. me. It just. It, it was like a, a lightning bolt just went through me, and I had to, I had to shout it from the mountaintops. Nice pun. I want to be an astronaut. A lightning bolt went through me. Too soon, Chris. The Challenger was real.
0: Uh, <laughs> That <laughs> nah, has nothing to do with anything. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> what, if, what if we could convince people that's what happened? Yeah, dude. You got hit by a lightning bolt. You know that?
1: I, I, bet, I have a feeling tonight you're going to be changing that Wikipedia page. <laughs> Who has the authorized account for the Challenger Wikipedia
0: page? It's funny because that was a legit question I was asked recently. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, find that guy. We can really move mountains.
0: Off, we we're way off. Here's the thing. Um, I rem- I got I was 19, 20 years old, okay, and I didn't know what I was doing in life. And I was in uh, technical college, <laughs> really a winner. And I met a guy who had an internship at the radio station, right? And the radio station, I found out everything was fake. Everything's fake on radio. Just what? 100. Since when? <laughs> you know how they say, like, what, how does it go from Anchorman? 70% of the time it works every time. 70% of the time everything is fake on radio. There's very, very little uh, that is real about radio entertainment. Uh, a lot of the bits are staged. They're not dealing with real people. Sometimes they are, but for the most part they're not. Um, I've probably mentioned this before, but if you care, just, look, just Google war. of." The, go into a private tab. So it doesn't have your search history and your cookies and your location. And search, like, War of the Roses. And see how many radio stations actually do that bit. It's in the hundreds, if not thousands. Okay? It's not local to your market. Your guys that are close to you didn't come up with that. Everybody's doing it. And they're all faking it every week because they need decent content because they can't put crap on the air, right? Here's the war.
1: Yeah. Can of take your war of roses and go one step further and just sure. Google war of the worlds. Would right, you Sure. And then you'll know just how fake it really is. Yeah, exactly. So right. what the 1930s, that's very fair.
0: So yes, everything uh, you're hearing is a lie. Uh, here's my point. Here's my point. I'm, so I met this guy, right? And he has an internship and I find out this stuff's all staged. And I thought, boy, that'd be fun. So I started calling in to his weekend show and playing characters and I would come up with these ideas and these bits and then I would execute them just by calling his show. And so, um, long story short, his boss heard it and liked it. And eventually, um, they would offer me a full-time job at that station. Um, and that's kind of what led to it. And I remember they
1: called so me, they were like, you're so good at being fake. We want to pay you. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. Um, Including
0: pretend to care what people request. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I remember that, that, that really, even early on that always bothered me was this thing where these kids would call in, like, seriously, you know you're talking to kids, 12, 13 year old kids, "Hey, can you play my song?" And I remember when that was a yeah, thing. I'll, I'll do whatever I can. But you knew the music is scheduled out days in advance. There's no, you don't change the music. It's scheduled. It's in there. You don't touch anything don't mess with the music. So it always felt a little fraudulent. But my bigger point is I remember they, they called and offered me that job and I was like, yeah, I guess I will, you know? And I did that. And I remember thinking, I don't know. And I got, I got (laughs) offered a job in Birmingham, Alabama, and I took that job and I was there for a year doing that job. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do this anymore. This is just garbage. I, I just didn't like it. Um, for many, many reasons. Mainly because pop culture is so trash. You know, this was 10 years ago. Easy. 15 maybe even. Uh, I was 26. So 14 years ago I took that job. And I remember just immediately thinking, this isn't for me. So then I got a job at the news talk station. And I was like, well, this is kind of fun. And I did that for a few years. And I was like... And these people are all fake too. And that was a real life lesson because it was it was a, a quick learning curve in you don't say what you actually believe. You say what the sponsors allow you to say. And that is true. No. I know. I know. I know. But that was a hard lesson learned because I thought I'll take that job and I'll be able to say whatever I want to say and I'll change the world. And then that quickly turned out. So I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do this anymore. And I was about 30 years old then. And so then I thought, well, what else do you do, right? So you start moving around. And my whole point here is, my whole point is. uh, What else can I do that's fake? What else can I do that's fake? Marketing. (laughs) I can learn
1: Photoshop. And
0: uh, that's somewhat true.
1: fake things. To move from audio to visual, yeah. a boy, yeah. I don't see why
0: not. Um, <laughs> I was gonna make an OnlyFans joke, but uh, anyway, <laughs> we, we, um, wait,
1: you gonna tell me that's not real now? <laughs> no, mine's all fake, that's gonna be the joke. Uh, <laughs> um,
0: I've never had a job where i thought that will be my career i always i always feel like i've taken jobs and i go what will this lead to that will be bigger and better right like isn't that is that i think that's the way most people work is where these days yeah. as soon as you plant your feet somewhere you're aspiring to jump to the next level like okay i'm here let me make the most of it but then how do i put pivot or bounce my way into something bigger and better that's what everybody wants um, synergy.
1: That's the answer. A synergy. Mm-hmm.
0: So I can't imagine that Vice President Harris or President Biden himself would be able to walk into a room with me and go, all right, Chris, here's what we're going to do. We're going to transfer your skills. And you're going to be so happy. Because I'm already a step ahead, if not two or three, in this is what I do, but this is what I'm going to be doing five years from now. And transferring skills might be a part of that, which is what I do believe I did between radio and marketing was you get into marketing by convincing people, you know, how to sell things. And that's actually a large part of radio is you have eight to 10 seconds max to sell somebody, something lickety split. So you better grab their attention right up front, find a good hook, get the bait on the hook, feed it to them and then reel them in. And you have eight to 10 seconds to do it. Don't forget to read the traffic and weather. Right. Yeah. On the 15s. And that's fine. Right. So, so you can't, there is a thing about transferring that skill set. I get that. But the idea that the guy that's been a coal miner for 15 years is going to suddenly build solar panels for you it in is, Charlottesville, West Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to happen. That's not, oh, it is. Yeah. It is going to happen. Yeah. Mm, yep. We're going to get them trained up. I was going to say, not going to happen. Oh. Oh, hmm. well, no, yes. Not with that attitude. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. How do you sell that guy on that? So this is like
1: this pie-in-the-sky
0: pipe dream that they know isn't going to happen. It's not going
1: not gonna to be a thing. Not going to well, be a thing. You can tell by her stuttering and stammering through it that she doesn't believe it either. Fair, fair. Does she know,
0: again, this kind of goes back, does she even know what Biden
1: really wants out of any of this outside of what's handed we'll to have her to wake him up from his nap to find out so <laughs> nobody's got time for that
0: i like to think that that's an actual thing i would bet on the president's daily rundown there's a gap three times a day and that gap <laughs> is nap time
1: nap time Metamucil is not going to drink itself.
0: It didn't get any better later on into the interview. Uh, here she is uh, just spouting more nonsense.
2: And I are really clear. We can't continue this way. And we've got to ur- work with a sense of urgency. And so we're offering the American Rescue Plan that's about opening back, opening schools back up in a safe way. It's about getting support for small businesses, getting relief for families. So many people have been unemployed for, for almost a year at this point, mm. hardworking folks Hard. um, who have lost their jobs through no fault of their own. Right. And- through your fault.
1: The fault of all the Democrats <laughs> shutting economies down. You're the reason. You're the
0: reason these people are out of work. Because people like you, these nitwits who think we got to shut everything down so you don't get the COVID, you're the problem. You're, you're the people who have told us that the darkest day of the pandemic lies ahead of us. You're the people who recently told us that it would take 200 million shots to vaccinate 300 Americans. I want to be Pete. 300 americans my favorite thing he said ever by the way is i want to be pete i know he's going to say i want to repeat but the man said i want to be pete and i loved it anyway she carried on
2: the president and i feel very strongly that these are the moments when we are facing a crisis of unbelievable proportion that that the american people deserve their leaders to step up And stand up for them. The plan includes... My God,
0: she knows how incompetent she is. When you watch her on camera, she knows what a fraud she really is. She deserves to be nervous. She deserves to know. I hope someone tells her real quick. You are a one-trick pony. You are a one-term administration. Find something else. Can you believe, by the way, this should make everybody equally angry. We have to pay this woman for the rest of her life. Like, for the rest of her life, we pay this woman. That's that's the real crime. That's the real crime. Hey, speaking of paying people, here's one from Fox News. We're going to add something? On oh, like no, go try. ahead. Maxine Waters has given over a million dollars in campaign cash to her daughter, and then it looks like there's another million dollars that have gone to other family members. U.S. Representative Maxine Waters of California, uh, the state, by the way, that has been decimated by COVID and a real just lack of leadership. Uh, Her family has cashed in more than a million bucks. Her daughter alone, more than a million dollars through campaign since 2003. Karen waters received over $1.1 million for her services with her mother's campaigns. A quarter of a million of which came from the most recent election cycle. The daughter of the California Democrat organized slate mailing operations to help her mom's campaign. Slate mailing is an uncommon practice in federal elections where a consulting firm is hired to create a pamphlet of sorts that contains a list of candidates or policy measures and advises voters on how to cast their ballots. Waters was reportedly the only federal politician to use slate mailer operation during the 2020 general election. A 2004 report by the Los Angeles Times found that various members of Waters' family had received over a million dollars during the previous eight years, unrelated to this one million dollars, from businesses and campaigns relating to the Congresswoman. Quote, they do their business and I do mine, Maxine said during the interview. We are not bad people. B.S. Waters made over 30 payments to her daughter during their 2020 campaign cycle. The fund's largely going to slate mailer management fees. Though canvassing and office expenses were also listed in the FEC records. Uh, Look, I get it to a degree. She's elected because she's comfortable. The people in her district think she actually represents them. And their beliefs. Uh, if more stories like this got more proper attention, maybe, maybe these people would realize, you know, it's, 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 it's much like, by the way, did you see Joe Biden's brother in his uh, law firm ad? what's his brother's name? Joe Biden's brother, John, is it? I don't know. <laughs> I like that. You made it up. I thought it was like Frank or something. Frank Biden. Uh, from CNBC.com, Biden brother linked to firm involved in effort to lobby Obama administration. Um, oh, great. CNBC hates me because I have an ad blocker. Hold on. Let's go to the HuffPost. Thank you. So this is Huffington Post. Okay. This is, this is a Biden friendly, uh, friendly organization. Law firm ad touting Biden brother's political connection raises ethics questions. A law firm's advertisement touting its connection to President Joe Biden has raised some ethical questions. Uh, We just read that in the headline. Thanks for repeating yourself. Uh, In a two-page advertorial in the Florida-based Daily Business Review, Berman Law Group boasted that one of its senior advisors, Frank Biden, is a brother of the president. A copy of the roughly 1,000-word ad which ran on Inauguration Day was obtained by CNBC and the Washington Post. In the ad... The firm linked its class action lawsuit against sugarcane growers to the president's pro-environment positions. Think about this. You grow a plant and the pro-environmental president is after you. Let that sink in for just a second. The two Biden brothers have long held a commitment to pushing environmental issues to the forefront, the ad said. Lawsuits against Big Sugar is just another example of how the two brothers' core environmental beliefs align. The ad, which was formatted to resemble a news story, muddled Biden's efforts to have one of the most ethically sound administrations in history. (laughs) Okay. All right. Yeah. Politico reported Thursday that Biden had warned his family members, specifically Frank, his youngest brother, against any business dealings. That I wonder if he warned his son uh, against any business dealings that would create apparent conflicts of interest for the administration. Asked to confirm Politico's report during a press briefing Friday, White House press secretary Jen Psaki said she would not discuss the president's private conversations with family members but reiterated the administration's relevant policy on the matter these look again it's all a fraud these people are all getting rich together they hate you they hate me they take our money they spend it on their lavish lifestyles and then they forget about us it's about the end of it should be that simple right i think so it's pretty accurate okay Let's go to some COVID news. How do you feel about this, Patrick? We've talked about this before. Do you remember talking during the height of COVID that New York was hiding nursing home deaths yeah. by conflating the numbers? Sure, yeah. Not, not conflating numbers. They were ignoring numbers. Yes. And we said, it's higher than they're telling you. As it turns out, according to the AP... They're now admitting that Cuomo's administration confirming that thousands more nursing home residents died of COVID-19 than the state's official tallies had previously acknowledged probably if I had to guess because you can't sell a book on leadership about your COVID leadership when the death toll is actually thousands upon thousands of deaths higher than what the current tally says uh, the surprise development it was a surprise to the AP, not a surprise say, to the rest yeah, surprise
1: of surprise to who? <laughs> yeah.
0: After months of the state refusing to divulge its true numbers, they showed that at least twelve thousand seven hundred forty three long term care residents died of the virus as of January nineteenth, far greater than the official tally of eight thousand five hundred five, cementing New York's toll as one of the highest in the nation. Remember, this is the guy they wanted for Attorney General, by the way. Those numbers are consistent with a report released just hours earlier by Attorney General Letitia James charging that the nursing home death count could be off by about 50%. Her words, not mine. By about About, 50%. About 50%. Patrick, what do you do in life where the people in charge of it, when you were like, you know what, I was wrong? Imagine telling that to your wife. She's like, hey. Uh, you, you mind if we go you know, shop for a new couch this weekend? You're like, money's no thing. I saw our bank account. And then you get there, and your card gets declined. And she's like, hey, what happened? I thought money was, was no object to us because we're filthy, stinking rich. And you're like, I mean, I really thought we were. And then you pull your phone out, and you're like, as it turns out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sit down on this couch we haven't purchased yet. I've got some news for you. <laughs> Looks like I was off. Bye. I don't know.
0: 50%? God bless. Uh, yep. Uh, they were off by 50% according to their AG because New York is one of the only states to count. <laughs> Not a joke. It's funny because what else are you going to do?
1: I know you're what we should do. You're going to give the governor a book deal. That's number one. Get this, Patrick. With an advance of about three-quarter million dollars. <laughs> This is her excuse.
0: New York is one of the only states to count just those who died on facility grounds.
1: So, meaning what exactly? (laughs) Because I'm trying to figure out like... uh, it looks like Grandpa Joe's crashing. Somebody quick pushing him down the sidewalk. I was about to say, I can imagine Cuomo out there and he's using like the tip of his wing toe boot to like just tap push the
0: dude bed. into the gutter. And he's like, well, he's not on the ground. So, jeez. Then uh, old Leticia says this while we cannot bring back the individuals we lost to this crisis. This report seeks to offer transparency the public deserves. After the fact, that is the problem. This after-the-fact transparency is not transparency. It's not transparency when you tell us later what you did wrong. That's really just CYA work, right?
1: Wasn't Cuomo nominated for an Emmy or something?
0: No, he, he was given an Emmy.
1: Oh, he was given one? Yeah.
0: Yeah, he wasn't nominated for it. They freaking gave him one and said... Because remember we talked about well I mean of course he deserves one he's pretending to be something he's not oh, yeah. which is a leader Yeah yeah I yeah. uh, received an Emmy award for masterful COVID-19 briefings I really think I really think it was tongue in cheek and they just didn't tell anybody like, I think it was given to the man and they were like be. just give him the Emmy and say it was masterful and let's all wait and hear his acceptance speech I can't believe it I can't believe it On the COVID front by the way Are you going to get the vaccine For what <laughs> For 20 bucks would you get the vaccine No For a million bucks would you get the vaccine
1: it's pre-tax Tax free I mean I feel like well, hang on. I love that you're hesitating over a million see, bucks. Let me see. I'm, I'm checking the price of silver right now. <laughs> checking that. Okay, twenty eight bucks, twenty eight change. AMC, <laughs> GameStop. Mm. No, nah, it's gonna be more than a mill. Yeah, yeah, you need, it's more, need than more than, than a mill. Yeah. Price, price to the roof on that GameStop, man.
0: Another. Another healthcare worker dies after receiving the COVID-19
1: vaccine. Another one dead. Are these people, and this is just a question, I'm not trying to play devil's advocate, I'm just curious, are mm-hmm. these people otherwise healthy? Yeah, as far as I can tell on this one, he sure was.
0: Um, in fact, it's pretty tragic, actually, what happened. Now, <clears throat> remember this. Because there's not... I, don't, I haven't heard anybody connect the dots on this outside of us. Hank Aaron received the COVID vaccine on January 6th and died two weeks later. Yep. And if you go, well, Chris, he was really old. Yes. But remember that when they killed 23 elderly people in Norway after like the, the, the vaccine from Pfizer killed... 23 elderly people in Norway. And the medical director said this, quote, we are not alarmed by this. It is quite clear that these vaccines have very little risk with a small exception for the frailest patients. So there's no difference between the vaccine and the virus. That's what that tells me. There's
1: zero difference. And in fact... Well, but the death rate from the virus from what I understand, and I'm not a math elite, as we've established, yes, sir. is very close to the death rate of COVID itself. That's what I'm drawing from the information that I've gathered. So your odds right. are roughly the same, is what I'm saying. Here's what we
0: would have to do. We would have to vaccinate as many people in America as have been infected by COVID, we would have to replicate the demographics accordingly, and then we would have to see how many people right. die given the vaccine versus how many died from COVID itself.
1: I mean, at what point is a vaccine no longer experimental? Like, what threshold do you hit in terms of years that it's been in use before you no longer consider that?
0: I don't know. I don't know.
1: How many people have to not die? right it's kind of the second
0: part of that question how long does it have to be out and how many people does it have to have not killed
1: well i guess that's what i'm passively implying is yeah. you know there's going to be a death toll uh-huh. or or side effects i should say maybe not everyone which dies which seems to be death in this case <laughs> well there there's other things i mean they're saying that it it can um, you know attack your immune system and and your endocrine system and all that and and cause all kinds of problems and your body goes haywire and uh, can Result in different or uh, making you more susceptible to different diseases. So if that's true, that may not kill you, but it may ruin your life.
0: Who? I don't understand it. I really can't understand it. An x-ray technologist from Orange, California, fell ill and was taken. This is from the blaze.com and was taken to an emergency room just a few hours after receiving his second dose of Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine earlier this month. Four days later, he was dead. Tim Zook, 60 years old, seemed quite hopeful in a January 5th Facebook post saying, quote, never been so excited to get a shot before. He posted a photo of himself with a Band-Aid on his arm and his COVID-19 vaccination card, adding, I am now fully vaccinated after receiving my second Pfizer dose. That would turn out to be his final Facebook post. Just a few hours later, Zouk, an x-ray technologist at South Coast Global Medical Center in Santa Ana, had an upset stomach and trouble breathing. By 3.30 p.m., his condition worsened so much that his co-workers walked into the ER. Should I be worried? His wife texted him. No, absolutely not, he replied. Do you think this is a direct result of the vaccine? She asked. No, 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 he replied. I'm not sure what, but don't worry. The register said Zook passionately urged folks to embrace COVID precautions, such as masking up and staying home as ICUs were inundated in December. Now, his condition quickly worsened, and he died four days later. And and we won't get into uh, the gory details of it. His family is saying, don't blame Pfizer. Get the vaccine.
1: He would have wanted it that way. And I understand that. I really do. Also consider Pfizer's off the hook. Oh, yeah? Yeah, they're not, they're not held liable for any of these deaths. That must be really, really nice. Because mm. I was just about to draw. I wonder, I wonder if they bought that privilege. Mm. Are they Chinese? Got to be a record of it somewhere.
0: I was just considering the analogy and drawing the comparison of, it's like if your buddy was a passionate skydiving advocate. Mm-hmm. And he kept saying, come on, it's safe. Jump out of this plane. A guy like me is going to go, no, no. That's an unnecessary risk. And it's very, very closely linked to ending my life. And I don't want to do that. And then he jumps out of a plane. And his parachute doesn't open or breaks or whatever. And he slams into the ground and he dies. And then his wife comes to me. And it's very tragic. And she's like, you should jump out of a plane in memoriam. I'm like, no. No, it killed him. It killed him, and I'm not going to do that. And I told him the whole way through, I thought it was a bad idea. Why take
1: the risk? I would tell his wife, yes, I will do that for him. And that would be what we call a lie. <laughs> but it would make her feel really good. Pat her on the shoulder. Yep. I know you are... Doing it for him. Reeling with grief. And then I would be... At the bar having a beer, I don't blame you. I don't blame you.
0: All right, Show dot com is our home on the interwebs. You can go there and find links to all the products we trust, uh, and and check out our blog and all the fun things we have going on at Show dot com. dot com. Patrick, can you help me understand? Um, what exactly happened with the stock market this week? No. Great. Great. What I, else would you like to know? Well, I'd like to know where you were, you know, months ago. Um, long time ago. I'd have to go look. I actually bought AMC stock. It fell to about, I don't know, a couple bucks, $2, 250-ish. $2, $2. Maybe more. And I've been playing in the stock market since March when everything fell tremendously. And I thought, what can you buy into that will recover, that you feel will solidly recover? And AMC was one of those thoughts I had. So at like two or three bucks a share, I bought in. And it ticked up to like, I don't know, five and six bucks a share. And I doubled my money and I was feeling good about it. And then this report came out that they weren't going to get the loan they needed to float them to 2021 wasn't going to happen it was off the table and it took a really hard dive on a given day and i remember i texted my dad and i said it looks ominous for amc i think i'm gonna sell and he said okay well i'm in at like four bucks a share right now and i said well i'm in at like two and a quarter whatever it was i said so while i can still have doubled my money i'm gonna dump it I'm going to reinvest. Why not? So that's what I did. And again, um, I turned a decent profit off of that. Uh, Not that I drew the money out. I've left everything in the market that I put in. I haven't drawn a single penny out. My dad. Capital
1: gains will get you.
0: Yeah, right. You got to leave it in there or else they come after you. Uh, So my dad left his. And then son of a gun. Just so happens. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, I'd get out, I'd get out, and he's like, Well, I'm kind of vested at the because it fell to like I don't know, like five bucks a share, right? But I'd still doubled my money. I got out, and he was like, eh, I think I'm gonna ride it out. And it fell to like two dollars a share, maybe even less than that. And he said, Well, I think I'm I'm in it now. Like I'm I'm in it. Just hold it, yeah. I'm just gonna go down with the ship if it goes down, type thing. That's okay. And I think this was on purpose. I wake up on a morning a week ago or so, and I have a text from my mom, and she says, are you headed to the office? I said, yeah. She said, can you swing by our house and grab your dad's phone and drop it to him on your way? My dad actually works like three minutes up the street from where I work. I said, yeah, I'll do that for you. No problem. I'll, I'll take him his phone. And as I'm getting ready... I check the markets, and I start seeing that Reddit is creating a run on GameStop and AMC. And I look at the AMC stock, and it's at like $17 a share. And I'm so mad. (laughs) Like, so mad. Because remember, I mean, I bought in at like two and a quarter share. I bought like 100, maybe 125 shares, something like that. I could have made out like a bandit. My dad sat on his. Makes me bring him his phone. Mm -hmm. So that in front of me, he can open up the app and sell all of it. For (laughs) quadruple the money. He just turned like massive. More than Boom. quadruple. He bought it at four, sold it at 167. Okay, all right. Yeah. I was
1: like, congrats, Dad. Bye. I'm gonna go to work now. <laughs> they go get in my car. Put your clown makeup on as you get in the car.
0: <laughs> get the little <laughs> rainbow wig out.
1: Some of us still have to go to work. <laughs> Some of us didn't hit the lottery today,
0: Dad. (laughs) See you later, Trump Jr., apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Is that Baron Trump, I see? Um, Good for him. I was happy for him. Now, I still can't quite understand what exactly happened. My wife made a really cool analogy that she had read online. She shared it with me. It's the only thing that has really made sense. I cannot understand how it's legal, what these people do with the stuff. So if if you haven't heard, I mean, obviously you've probably heard of the GameStop thing. Maybe in passing you've heard of exactly what's happening. But But here's essentially what happened. So these Redditors find out, some guys find out somehow, that... Basically, the debt is coming due on GameStop. And here's what I mean by that. So short selling a stock means this. If someone owns a stock, there are people out there who are legally allowed to borrow the stock without the owner's knowledge. Okay, And if that stock is worth $10 when they borrow it, they can borrow it and immediately sell it for ten dollars then when the stock falls to being worth five they have they can buy it back at that price and return it to the person from whom they borrowed it because they've borrowed it with the understanding that they'll return it by a certain date here's the kicker they borrowed it for ten sold it for ten bought it back at five they've never paid a dime they didn't buy it, they borrowed it. They sold it for 10, bought it back at 5, gave it back to the original owner worth 5, and kept the $5 difference. Making sense? So far so good, yep.
1: Reddit. I mean, I mean no, <laughs> it's a terrible idea. What could possibly go wrong? But yes, it does make sense. Reddit somehow
0: found out that the people that had quote unquote borrowed all the GameStop stock had to buy it back within the near future. So they decided to, as they called it, send the GameStop stock to the moon. So they just began buying. Three million people on this message board all begin buying. And what happens then is now the stock raises in its value. And the short sellers, in order to not lose boatloads of money begin buying it back and giving it back as quick as they can, which looks like a higher demand, which continues to drive the price up. Right? Yes. So this stock goes from like 25 bucks to 300 bucks lickety split. And some of the Redditors, but a very small portion of them sell and make off like bandits. Now what you can believe and what you can't believe is up to you to decide. People posting screen grabs. By the way, it doesn't work this way. I saw people doing this. It does not work this way more often than not, where they were selling it that day and then paying off these huge debts. You don't get the money instantly. Oh, it takes yeah. a couple days. So I, I didn't buy into the whole, I just paid off my college debt. No, I but, love all of you but and I all that. I feel that.
1: like that was misinformation to, to lure people into selling it. Oh, I see. I, I think that was all a ruse.
0: Hmm. Because if they would sell, the price would fall again. Absolutely, and the hedge funds wouldn't lose as much as they were losing. Correct, because the hedge fund again legally obligated to give it back to the people they borrowed at the borrowed price.
1: Right. It's amazing. There's a lot of disinformation out there. A lot of, a lot of people are are putting things like that out there mm-hmm. in order to trick people who are who just jumped on the bandwagon. Guys who've never dealt in the stock market before that don't understand, no, you don't get your cash out immediately. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of that going on right now.
0: Yeah. I mean, you can't even get cash in immediately with the stock market. If you've, if you've have an account that you've had long enough, they'll float you the money. That's true with my TD Ameritrade account only because it's about a year old. Uh, they will let me, if they see the deposit pending, they'll loan me that cash to buy. Right. So I was able to do that, um, even amid the frenzy. We bought into Nokia stock. Looks like that'll be the next one to take off. They locked it out, just like they did. Brick phones for everybody. Well, yes, also 5G. (laughs) Uh, They have the sole contract. They're the sole contractor for... uh, I just want brick phones. Federal government's 5G. Yeah, you can get a (laughs) brick phone. We're hoping that turns out to be a sleeper. Uh, Got it at a good price. But, you know, it's an amazing thing that, like, A, it's legal what those people do. But, B. That is amazing. Yes. When the common man does exactly what they're doing, they shut it all down. Weird how that works. If, in case you didn't know, because I don't want you to not know this. Janet Yellen, right? She's a treasury secretary now. Who happens to be a woman. Well, it's a good thing. Just want to make sure everybody knows. Circle back to me if she actually is a woman. I've seen the pictures. (laughs) Yellen received... What I was saying was I don't assume gender. She looks like a lovely woman. Sure, 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 sure. That's her decision to be made, not mine. Okay? (laughs) Uh, Yellen received $800,000 from hedge funds in the GameStop controversy. What they were doing was they were bribing her with speaking fees. A lot of which she didn't even have to show up to speak. It was all virtual stuff.
1: How do I get in on that? I have like, no idea. Forget the stock market. I want the gig where you show up for an hour and talk about something and right. somehow that's worth like 600 grand. Isn't that crazy? I want that gig. Yeah. I don't want the stock market. Mm-hmm. You get
0: that money, you get that money the Clinton way where those people know they're buying access to you. You get shot in the back of the head twice. There is that. That is kind of like a weird fringe benefit. That's well, a whatever. different Clinton thing you're talking about. No, it's the same. Oh. It's the same. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. You make them money and then they shoot you. Oh, that's, that's documented. I see that's how it works documented. now. Yep. That's documented. Okay. Capital gains on that? Uh, yeah, actually, yeah. Under Biden, yeah, I mean, <laughs> what did they call that? Did you see that? It's called um, step up. What do they call it? Step up bias. Something like that, yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm um, talking about the fact that the Biden administration is opposed to the to the idea that I can spend my entire life working, and when I die, I leave the house I bought and paid for to my children. Mm-hmm. The Biden administration says, "heck no," that's step up, step up bias. I think they call it. I'd have to look it up again. Step
1: up something. And um, what do you think the Biden administration calls it when Hunter gets checks for? I don't know, say 135 mil from the Chinese government. I think they call that who's your daddy. Oh. Yeah. All right. Well, 10% for the big guy. Don't forget that. Yeah. That's, that is very important.
0: They want to do away with your ability to, to hand your home off to your kids uh, without a heavy tax penalty. They want the death tax and then some.
1: What else is new? Yeah.
0: I'll tell you this. No matter who the administration is in charge, I don't think there's any... Better reason for a real revolution in America than the death tax and the fact that it's able to even exist. <laughs> you work your whole life, they take money from you out of every paycheck, put it into programs you'll never benefit from, and then they charge you when you die. Screw that. Like, legit, that's corruption. That's enough to just say, whatever.
1: <laughs> like, just burn it all down and start over. You know what we should do? We should send a guy to the Capitol. With a buffalo on his head, <laughs> to to straighten this thing out. That has become
0: my new favorite joke. My go-to now in most every conversation is, "This is ridiculous." I say we just march on the Capitol and call it a day. I'll tell you this, by the way, and then we'll do our vote of the week, which should be Joe Biden every week till the man's out of office. But yeah. it won't be. It could be Kamala Harris this week. But uh, went to birthday dinner with some friends. And I ordered a pernicious, and I thought this was great. The waitress comes back, and she says, "Uh, we don't have any pernicious. I said, you don't have any pernicious. Oh, man, it's on the menu. She goes, they're not making it anymore. I said, "Uh, excuse me? Pernicious is my jam. I love some pernicious. It's an IPA made by a brewery called Wicked Weed Brewing. And I said, let me just explain something to you. And my wife made a funny point about this, by the way. But I say to the waitress, <laughs> God is my witness. I said, let me explain something to you. If this country thinks it saw a revolution and an insurrection on January 6th, it does not know what is about to happen if I find out pernicious is no longer being made. <laughs> and we all start laughing. And the girl goes, that's just what I was told. FYI, from the table, I emailed the company. And I said, please, for the love of all that is good in this world, tell me you're not going to not make pernicious anymore. And they said, nothing could be further from the truth. That's bad information. Uh, disregard. It's our best selling beer. We're going to keep making it. And I go, Phew. But the takeaway really was actually the fact that I made an insurrection joke at the table in front of all these people, because we were in a restaurant uh, that's kind of tightly packed together. Everybody, You can kind of hear each other. And everyone around us chuckled when I kind of went exaggerated, like, if this country thinks it just saw an insurrection. You were in
1: a very conservative-leaning area of the country, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, sort of. We're in South Carolina, somewhat purple. I get your joke. <laughs> it's not lost on me. Uh, <laughs> anytime you go somewhere where they're selling microbrews, you are among the left, and and we recognize that. But the waitress laughed. We all laughed about it. She walked away. My wife goes, you know how you can tell that dad is being exaggerated in the media? Nobody was mad you made that joke. Like, everybody around us laughed. Everybody knew it was lighthearted. They knew it wasn't really an insurrection. And I thought, that is true. Like, they know that it's not... Like, yes, it was out of hand. Yes, it was evil. The fact that an officer was killed and all that's bad. But nobody is carrying on now about the coup, right? We're not Myanmar.
1: Well, and not to be too, like, overly serious about it, but even the dude with the horns on his head had multiple, and I'm talking near a dozen people with cameras following him, his every step through the Capitol. Right. So you can't tell me that this wasn't by design. And furthermore, there are tech or uh, excuse me, tweets out there with timestamps mm-hmm. showing before noon where he's already inside the Capitol. All the while, Donald Trump hasn't taken the stage yet. Mm. So this idea that Donald Trump told everyone to march down there, you know, over a mile away, right? And everybody just suddenly got down there and just went to business and breaking on all the windows. Didn't really happen that way. We all know the average Trump supporter can't walk a mile.
0: That's that's wasn't going to go there. Uh, But you handled (laughs) uh, it. I sure couldn't. Um, All right. (laughs) Anyway, what what were we even talking about there? You got me all spun up about my pernicious. We're talking about a little bit of everything. Yeah, that's fine. All right, let's do uh, my favorite segment every week.
2: I'm an ambitious officer.
0: One voter. Everybody knows the rules.
2: I need to be a part of the 100 Club.
0: The 100 Club? You know, we poke fun at the Trump supporters, but there was this gaggle of people who were all up in arms, and they were called Never Trumpers, and they started an organization called the Lincoln Project. And now we find out that the Never Trump Lincoln Project's founder, John Weaver, the entire time was soliciting sexual favors from young men, some as young as 14 years old. This is shocking. What? 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 So our vote of the week is anybody who supported the Lincoln Project, because this is what happens when you blindly back an ideology that just is uh, fringe anyway. It's just weird anyway. From Breitbart.com, John Weaver. A co-founder of the Lincoln Project has been accused of sending explicit messages to nearly a dozen young men, offering them career advice and jobs in exchange for sexual favors. Weaver, who formerly worked with Senator John McCain and Ohio Governor John Kasich, has been accused by 21 men. Of sending unwarranted messages. One who stated that he began receiving messages when he was 14 years old. According to the New York Times, a Weaver told one young man that he would, quote, spoil you when we see each other and help you other times, give advice, counsel, help with bills. You help me sensually. Really gross stuff. Uh, a weird perverted man who hopefully gets what's coming to him. A statement from the Lincoln project says John Weaver led a secret life that was built on a foundation of deception at every level. He is a predator, a liar, and an abuser. We extend our deepest sympathies to those who were targeted by his deplorable and predatory behavior. We are disgusted and outraged that someone in a position of power and trust would use it for these means. And then it goes on, but I don't care to read it all. Um, It does show you, though, like the Lincoln Project is a reactionary thing, uh, passionately reactionary, meaning um, not very well thought out, right? Like just, we're going to go on this because it feels right. We're not going to consider all the facts. We're just going to run with it. The only person I know that supported the Lincoln Project, by the way, is a Biden supporter who hated Trump so much, um, and he did the very funny thing. Uh, He literally was calling Trump supporters sycophantic bootlickers as Trump lost the election. And then after the inauguration, posted a lengthy Facebook post saying, now we should all agree to lower the temperature in the room and get along. (laughs) And it was like of course. it was like, dude, it doesn't work that way. You guys have called us racists and misogynists and killers for the last four years. You don't get to suddenly turn that off and expect us to forget everything you said. Well, Biden and the rest of them are doing the same thing.
1: Well, right. It's all yeah, yeah. Unity, unity, unity. Yep. That's all they
0: want to talk about now. Yep. Which is the only reason he thought to say it was because now his dear leader said, You know what we should do? We should try to take uh, this moment to look like decent people, even though we're not. We're incredibly illogical, um, impassioned people. And we have nothing to go on except our anger. And therefore, we should scream about it. That's what they're doing.
1: Sounds about right. Okay. All right. So, uh, the Lincoln Project, our vote of the week.
2: I'm an ambitious officer.
1: One voter. Everybody knows the rules. I need to be a
0: part of the 100 Club. Isn't it funny, by the way? That all the people that just rabidly hate conservatives end up largely having something really weird in the closet like that. Anthony Weiner comes to mind. The Clinton family definitely comes to mind. The Kennedys.
1: (laughs) It never stops. A lot of the uh, BLM head honchos. Gee, those people are crazy. Those fellas that got shot in the face
0: in Kenosha. All oh. pedophiles. Some of us get what's
1: coming. Just saying. Yeah.
0: All right, new episodes of the Felt Recall Podcast are available every Tuesday. Wherever you like to get your podcasts, we appreciate you being here. If you like what you've heard, please make sure you subscribe, leave a review of the podcast, and then we promise to come back in seven more days and give you more of this goodness. If you want to be a guest on the show, we'd be glad to have you. It's very, very simple. Go to feltrecoalshow.com and fill out the contact form or just email us directly. Chris, K-R-I-S, at feltrecoalshow.com. That's K-R-I-S at feltrecoalshow.com. Bye.